Welcome to the Legendarium. Today the guys are talking about Mythica, a local fantasy film project from here in Utah. Craig is probably a little too hard on Kevin Sorbo. Ryan is probably a little too hard on the film in general, but we all enjoyed it. All right, so my blood pressure is coming back down. Uh, it has been suggested that we put a camera in the corner of this room as we begin our podcast, maybe for the first 10 or 15 minutes. In this case, it was more like two hours or so, um, an hour and a half, hour maybe, and a half, hour and a half. that we sat here, and I just wanted to wring all of your fluffy little knacks. You know, I just than that. Was that pretty good, Todd? Um, anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and... Uh, that was uh, awesome. I'll introduce you first, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll get started with the podcast. Um, now, of course, I am Craig Hanks, uh, your your loving and gentle host on the Legendarium podcast. Uh, gently loving, right, Todd? Uh, are you? Are we talking about the same Craig Hanks? <laughs> I'm I'm very concerned about the wow. fact that he's saying gently loving. Now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's duller than a broom handle and not nearly as handy. It's Ken Johnson. Oh, but he could beat you with it. <laughs> And when he spins clay, he's the hairiest potter you've ever seen. It's Todd Wenty. I have the glasses to prove it. <laughs> and he's my best friend. But don't get too excited. That's like being the tallest building in Wichita. It's Ryan Bruckman. That was such a terrible place to be. <laughs> Your oh, best right. friend, not Wichita. Wichita's great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, and get started on our episode today. It's on... Um, now, here's my question. We haven't even talked about this. Is it about the movie or is it about the movies? Like, B-movies. I believe that we need to speak specifically to this movie, how it compares to other movies of its yeah. ilk. Yeah. Because uh, uh, ilk? we're talking about... Yes. I used <laughs> ilk correctly. Deal with it. Yeah, yes, you did. Because we're talking about Mythica. Yep, Mythica, A Quest, a quest for, for Heroes. heroes. Now... You know, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There are two of them out now. Third one's coming up. But anyway, you were and saying. And the fourth so one is filming. Here's the here's the main thing we need to I want to talk about right up front in terms of what type of movie this is. This is a crowdfunded, under hundred thousand dollar budget film. Okay. Was it under hundred thousand? Ninety six thousand dollars. Wow, is their budget? And okay. ninety thousand of it went to Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a second. So, that being said, when we speak, at least when I speak to this movie. That's the range I'm speaking to it in. I'm not comparing this to the Avengers. I'm not comparing this to Schindler's List. I'm not doing that because that would be unfair to Mythica. Um, I'll buy that. In a, on a, to give you a, the short answer for this, I believe this is a pretty good movie for where for what it is and where it sits. Yeah. Yep. It has some issues, but it's addressed with by knowing where it comes from and, and what it's dealing with. Let's, that we can get into it. Let's introduce the movie a little bit then. Um, hopefully, if you saw the title of this um, or if you're listening to this right now, you'll go and watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, first of all, so that if, if you like B-movies, it's a great one. Oh, this, um, was, a, this if, was the kind of movie to kibitz all the way through. And the other thing is, if you uh, if you like... If you like to be supportive of local businesses and mm-hmm. ventures and that sort of thing, uh, this is great. It's, it's a local, homegrown Utah 
production company called Aerostorm Entertainment that made this. They are located down in Utah County, the Provo area, somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, they've got a warehouse or two down there that they film in, and they go out on location all the time. It's uh, it's a little freaky to watch, actually, when it's like, oh, yeah, that's a fantasy movie in my backyard. It doesn't quite fit sometimes. But anyway, um, it, it, yeah, it's a, a, a homegrown thing, so... When you go out and buy a movie, you don't usually know where that money's going. In this case, we know exactly where it's going. Um, and what it's going to is a place that hopefully we'll get to make some more great little B-movies out here in Utah. Um, so I think you can go to aerostormentertainment.com. I think that's um, right. And that's where I bought the first movie. Um, you can go to Con TV. That's uh, that's the San Diego Comic-Con's internet channel. Uh, they are airing the movie there. They bought the rights to Mythica. Uh, so, yeah, you've got a couple of options, and uh, I, I would say I, I would recommend that people go watch it because, like you said, Ryan, this is not the Avengers. It's not, uh, you know, life-changing epic cinema or anything like that, but it is a lot of fun. It's worth a few bucks to watch if you've got them to spare and you've got a couple hours. Uh, it, it's great for families. Um, I think... Yeah, Aerostorm Entertainment, actually, if you get on their website, you can read what their purpose is as a production company. Oh, yeah, let's read it. And outside of being a production company that just, you know, making money, uh, here's here's what they're actually aiming to do. They say, we aim to produce fantasy films and sci-fi films for fans, by fans, while nurturing new talent and new stories and giving life to undiscovered worlds. The keys to that is the fact that they are really aiming to make this a fan-based thing. That's part of the reason it's crowdsourced. We're looking right. at crowdsourcing. So fans have a have a say in it. Fans feel like they have a part in it a little more than maybe they would else, you know, just by purchasing a ticket to go see the movie. And it also gives you the realm in which to expect when you're working, when you're going to see this, this is this is a step above your average fan fan film because it it is a an organized group. Right. But that's exactly, this is still people who enjoy the genre getting in to tell the story rather than some big executives saying, hey, I hear a lot of people are buying tickets to these uh, science fiction and, <laughs> and fantasy films. What can we do with that? Right. So this is not the Comic-Con of production agencies uh, or whatever. Uh, anyway, before, I, I think we'll come back to the talent that they mentioned. We'll come back to Aerostorm Entertainment. But let's talk a little bit about the story. Uh, Ryan, you called it a step above a fan film. A fan film, when I think of that, I uh, did you guys ever see The Hunt for Gollum? Great no. fan film. Look it up on YouTube uh, or Vimeo or wherever. Uh, the Hunt for Gollum, it's a fan film about Aragorn and his attempts to capture Gollum. It's awesome. Uh, what was There's one coming out about Harry Potter's parents at Hogwarts, uh, that whole cohort, oh, yeah. that sort of thing. So that, that's what I think of with a fan film. In this case... This is Dungeons and Dragons, the fan film. It it really is. Right. That's a, it's yeah. taken straight yeah. from it That's, pretty much. So if we want to get into the story a little bit, I, I was sitting down to prepare uh, a recap for the story and I thought, you know what? Totally unnecessary. Yeah. Because everybody knows this story, whether you've played Dungeons and Dragons or not, everybody knows the story of the uh, the orphaned slave girl gets magic powers, joins up with a, a warrior. With a thief and, and a, a warrior. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, this group of people, they go out on an adventure. Um, We're taking the hobbits to Isengard. 
I was very out of place. I really, right after watching this, I I seriously, I looked at it and I thought, I need to see this again because I'm sure I missed something because there really wasn't much there. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. I mean that it is simple and straightforward and you know what you're getting. You're not going to get twists and plot turns and all of it. It, It's just fun. It's just, here it is. It's fun. Yeah. What'd you think of the story when you watched it, Ryan? My biggest issue with the story. Not storytelling. No, 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 no. This is not storytelling. Um, I, I do, like you said, this is a very basic story. This is a story we've all been told, and it's it's fine. That's fine to tell that story again. The The only complaint I have is that I never really felt pushed or pulled, like that there was a push or pull on these characters to do anything. It was just kind of like a, let's check in with our adventuring crew now and see what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I mean, the stories, the everything in everything they've got in there is quality stuff for a story. You have interesting characters that have interesting abilities and stuff. The problem is that they need to have a motivation to go do something, and it was a little weak in that, on my, in my opinion. A that's, little? It was a little weak. Yeah, that was, and that's that's why I wanted to differentiate between story and storytelling. I never, I, I just never knew what the end goal of the story was. What are we find, trying to get to at the end? To find Tila's sister. That's it. Well, and once they found her, it was but but we're even done. but yeah. even but even that um, there there's there's a a missed opportunity I think in the way that this story was told, and that is that we think we're we think we're focusing on one character at the beginning, then we're focusing on another character, then we're looking at a relationship or a series of relationships that. F- center around uh, it, it, it was it was an opportunity to say we can we can tell you that all of these stories are going to be told but we didn't tell you any of them and we didn't really even introduce them we had vignettes that that gave us a glimpse of different kinds of things almost as if it was um uh partially unfinished chapters in a in a in a book that needed a little bit more polish a little bit more time to make the story cohesive, what you said, Ryan, I didn't. I didn't feel a pull toward any of the characters individually. I didn't feel like I really cared about any of these characters. Um, it was. It was a. It was formulaic to a point where, um, from from the story standpoint, I was like, okay, yeah, I recognize the characters. I recognize what you're doing, but I don't really care about why you're doing it. And and from a story from the story standpoint, not from the storytelling, not from the acting. I'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, just from that standpoint, that was the weakest link in this particular process. Having said that, was it good enough for a B movie, dude? Let, let's be and let's be clear what a B movie is. B movie genre started with the Blob in the 1950s. The Blob is still being shown today. And it is a and and if you've if you've seen some of these boom, there was a there was a wonderful B movie called Plan, uh, Plan Ten from Planet X. Oh, it's uh, the best uh, mystery science theater three thousand ever. Oh my goodness, what a what an abysmal, funny movie to watch. I mean, <laughs> Bella Lugosi in that film as the alien that kind of comes out of the middle of nowhere. I mean, some things about that film that were just bad, so laughably bad, and yet. I still pull it out and watch it every now and again. And that's kind of how I felt about this. It was it was predictable. It was not mentally challenging. And from that standpoint, yeah, I didn't feel like I really like I was really being pulled into the story, but I also wasn't repulsed by it. So Todd, you're saying uh, there was something lacking with the characters. I totally agree. I felt like uh, and I think Ken brought this up with the sister. 
we were missing a significant MacGuffin, which is something that every quest story needs. Um, if you're not familiar with the concept of a MacGuffin, it is the, the object or person or thing, whatever, that that you are in pursuit of during the story. So the it, it, a great drives example yep, would be um, Indiana Jones and the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark, that's your MacGuffin. You the go. Nazis want it, Indy wants it. Everybody's after the Ark, that's your MacGuffin. Anyway, point is, in this movie, the sister is supposed to be the MacGuffin. She's the reason they're all getting together and going out. But the problem is we don't see the sister between minute two and minute 90 yeah. of the movie. And there's no there's no talk about why they she's significant. Yeah, they don't talk about the, her. They don't well, mention the her. The sister isn't the MacGuffin. The rock is the MacGuffin. Or whatever. Yeah, we whatever. Don't, but we don't know enough about it. It doesn't... We, we don't even get a clue from Tila. By the way, that always bothered me because I thought I was waiting for He-Man to show up. Um, um, that's Lita. That's the one thing that, no. that I struggled with um, on that is that I wanted to know what was so important about the orb because at least if Tila knew what was important about the orb, that could have really pulled the story together. I there's, think. there's two aspects of that that, <clears throat> that are of interest to me. That The first being at the very beginning, the very first scene we get, is this villain necromancer, which we come to find out he's doing this about this fee about the stone, and then we were introduced to our our main character that we're going to be following, and then we don't get a whole lot about this this stone or anything until much later in there. So we don't really it's not we're not being reminded that this is really the driving force there. The other issue I have is that the any time you take a story like this. And your main character's original intentions and actions are based on monetary gain. You've got a problem. You've got an issue. There's no emotional investment in this. We're sp- I say she has some. She's trying to, you know, prove that she's free and that she's not, you know, try to figure things out uh, with her new magic powers and everything. But the fact of the matter is, is watching mercenaries work is not nearly as intriguing as people who have an emotional investment in... Destroying the ring. In destroying the ring, doing whatever, which is part of the reason why I'm really concerned about Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. All, the difference being their emotional uh, connection is they don't want their head blown off. Um, oh, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, okay. So here's a, a comparison I never, ever thought I would make favorably. Um, but this... Uh, the prologue scene that you just mentioned... Uh, that's a very, very popular way to start any fantasy story, whether it's a movie or a book or whatever. Uh, what it reminded me of was Aragon, that absolutely oh, the, yeah. terrible, yeah. awful dragon book. Um, but, but, it's, I, <laughs> I, I have my problems with it, but this kid knew what he was doing when he wrote the prologue about the elf sending away this blue stone that is very mysterious and what happens in the next chapter aragon finds the stone and it becomes the central piece that you know the, the driver of the story so what they missed out on with this whole MacGuffin thing that i'm talking about is yeah there's this stone there's this sister in this prologue and then they go away they cut away to the main character and what do we get well, nothing it takes at least 15 or 20 minutes before there's even a mention of those things, let alone any elucidation. Yeah. 
right? Dis- a, a disappointing oper- uh, an opportunity missed. Yeah. We get a lot of character building and a lot of relationship building and a lot of walking. Let me Not, let me uh, let me really quickly walk back I, I'm, what I'm I just with you, said. Ryan. I'm with you. Really, really quick. I want you guys to say what you had to say, but I don't hate Aragon that much. <laughs> he was he's a, he's a terrible wordsmith, but uh, but the story is fun. So anyway, uh, what were you going to say? Well. And, and I know for the last few minutes, if, you, if you've been listening to this, it really sounds like we're coming in hard on this movie that it was... Oh, yeah, that's a problem. And I've, I want to curb this just a little bit and say we're pointing these things out because this is something that we actually care about, this genre, this this idea of, of fan-made films, these things, and it's getting better. There's a reason that they're filming yeah. the fourth one right now. This is a first attempt, less than $100,000 budget, the things that we're dealing with are things that they will learn, and it really points to the value of having quality scriptwriters yes. and editors. Yes, and editors. and editors. So, and we, I'm sure we'll get to some of the technical aspects because I have, yeah. I have one gripe technically that I just I could not forgive. Should we before we do that? Uh, maybe we talk about the acting. I know Todd wanted to chat about that. Yeah. Um, our our main star is Melanie Stone, uh, who has probably the best eyebrows in the world um she plays merit i am planting my flag on that one right there short of frau brooker she has the best eyebrows in the world um (laughs) ryan doesn't ryan doesn't agree i can't even visualize her eyebrows in my head right now (laughs) just picture majestic i I can't my the eye if you say eyebrows and celebrity i'm i'm on peter capaldi that man is a his (laughs) eyebrows eyebrows. eyebrows. they're not quite that bad um (laughs) but close you know what there's uh, i'll 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 tell you what uh in the in the first in the first half hour of the film um as i was watching it i i looked at my wife and i said you know this really isn't any this is not any worse from an acting standpoint of hercules the legendary journeys only partly did I say that because Kevin Sorbo was in both both versions, both iterations that we were watching. Um, we really should very lightly say that Kevin Sorbo was in this film. I know. It. I, <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in just a sec. Well, and, and he was in the first, what, five minutes. Um, but the, the thing that was really fascinating about it is that these – the acting that was done was of a quality that I was not expecting given the major – Fo- the the major fumbling of that of that one plot device that we were looking for, there was some real good work from an acting standpoint being done. I'm not going to say that it was that it was um, the best acting that I've seen, but I will say that I have seen so much worse acting on major films by major headline stars than I saw in the characters in I, this film. And I feel like that is not. That that's that's pretty a pretty light backhand. At least that's how it feels to me. So there are three standouts um, that I get from this movie. The first standout being Kevin Sorbo, kind of phoning it in a little bit. Um, he, uh, I think he was Kevin Sorbo was Kevin Sorbo. Exactly. He's not acting. He's just delivering lines. He's just being Sorbo. Not that he's delivering them poorly. It's just you know. I think he was delivering them exactly the way. Now, see, here's another thing we have <laughs> to look at. Pardon. Oh. Ryan, I, I do. Sorry, everyone. We are definitely not headphone friendly this week. <laughs> oh gosh, I want to get to my other two standouts real quick. Um, another one 
somebody that I've known in the past, uh, the guy that plays Hammerhead, Christopher Robin Miller. Uh, I I told you guys earlier, he's my he was my uh, voiceover acting uh, teacher back in the day when I took that course. Um, and, and he's great. He did a wonderful yeah. job. He was a lot of fun to watch. He uh, was one of the most fun parts of this definitely. film. Definitely. And he, he shows up twice, but he really is a scene stealer both yes. times. Uh, the other one that I'll point out is Jake Stormon, uh, who I thought was absolutely fantastic. And not just in this movie, uh, but I, I felt like he was showcased even better in the second one. Uh, which yeah. Ken and I went to, and I even stayed through the whole thing. Um, One of us went home to be a responsible dad. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, Ken and I went to the the premiere of the second one. Uh, anyway, but he's so funny. Uh, really, really good timing. Like I said, the the acting in this film, I I was I was very pleased. It was of a par that I was not expecting given the kind of film that it was going to be. I should mention Jake Stormone. He's the guy, if you're uh, listening along, he's the guy that plays Dagon, the thief. Yeah. Uh, that everybody oh, wants. The rogue. Everybody wants to be. Yeah. yeah. yeah Every, that's a, that's a dream played, job. Yeah, everybody who's played like that Kenneth genre. first. Really? Mm-hmm. When he's feeling her up in the... In the and way. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. No. no I blame I, some I, poor decisions in terms of... Directing? Or I'll script say screenplay. Writing. Screenplay. I don't know if it was a directing, if it was a writing, whatever... But there are, I'm not approved by the le- in the least bit, but there are other ways he could. Have distracted her? It's not even necessarily that specific piece. He was so, he was trying so hard to be unlikable. No, that's not the right that phrase. That it worked? That it worked. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care if he came back at first. I was like. Oh, you're supposed to be that smooth, uh, suave talking, you know, thief or whatever. There, there's a number of moments in this movie that I was like, I don't know if you're doing that because you can do it or and not just with him, with the, with the entire movie. If you're just trying to do that to showcase that you can do it or to showcase that you're not some feature films for family piece. Right. I don't Both know of which may have been part of the conversation. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the reason. I don't feel that it helped at all. And at first, I didn't care for his character. Later on, I came to a pre... I, I liked him better. And I, I actually... I felt that his character was more was deeper than, than and, that. And he, You're thinking, and he gets much more so in the second movie. And 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 that's where the acting for this started to take off. You remember I said in the first 30 minutes, I said to my wife, this isn't any worse than that. That This isn't any worse than a uh, Hercules legendary journey. It's an, it's an hour and a half film. It's a 90 minute film. So nearly a, nearly a full, uh, a full blockbuster movie time mm-hmm. frame. You get into the second hour and there are some real standout moments for all of these individual characters, the the scene in the cave where um, he reveals, oh, I've had some experience in this. That was a really well-acted, well-directed, um, and I think it was a pretty well-filmed moment um, from a standpoint of, of all of the technical things that in other parts of the film I was I had some difficulties with. That scene, I thought, was really well-handled. Um, the and and some funny moments, some some comic relief when he when uh, um, the when the fighter character I can't remember Adam his Johnson. name Thane. Thank Thane. You. Thane when Thane picks up Merrick 
and starts to run with her. And she says, put me down, put me down. It's not a problem. And she looks up and sees the ogre and says, run faster, run faster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were some wonderful moments where they where they inserted some comic relief nicely. And again, those kinds of moments were, were very pleasant and well done. And I think that the acting... The, the effort that was put into the acting and the directing went – it got better and better as the film progressed. It felt like a film that was filmed congruently or, or um, in, a, in a chronological yeah. fashion rather than a film that was, that was done in a traditional film format, which is we're going to shoot these six scenes because we happen to be here. We're going to shoot these six scenes and we're going to splice them all together later. Yeah. It yeah. felt like it, was, like it was really a very growing fa- experience. So for a for a local B movie type experience, um, let's talk about the technical aspect of this film. I thought it was, I thought it was good, but not great. Well, it, uh, but I but but I didn't have any serious complaints. Ryan, you do. I do on a couple of fronts, and the main reason why I have there is one scene. That I want to sit down with whoever at Aerostorm <laughs> decide made the decision, and I want to hear the reasoning behind it. Because let me let me set the stage for you here a little bit. It's the sequence where they are trying to get to the prisoners for the first time. They're in the water. Uh, there's some cages in the water. The orcs are all around them. Here's what's really happening. Okay, from a technical t- standpoint, this is being shot at three in the afternoon. At Lake Powell. Two or three in the afternoon. Yeah. It's supposed to be almost dusk. Okay. So they shoot it and they take it back and they say, well, we need to make it look like dusk. So we're going to, either they shot it with too low of an exposure or they took it in and and edited it down too low because the shadows aren't aren't casting right. The entire thing is too dark to to make any features out or anything. Technically, that's poor filmmaking on my, in my book. Is it necessary sometimes? Do you just deal with what you have? And I bet I'm guessing that's the case. They're saying we don't have time in our shooting schedule to do this any other time. We're gonna have to figure out how to do it in post because the reason I know that's that that that's an issue is because they do dark room shooting in other parts of the movie just fine. Yeah, yeah. in the cave sequence, in the places where they're able to control the situation a little more, they shoot it beautifully and do a great job with with low lit situations so to go into that situation to be to go through the majority of the film and see good intelligent cinematography uh appropriate use of of their of the the materials they have to see one scene so out of place in this and so blatantly manipulated like like uh angry galadriel Oh, yes. I, yes. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I had to bring it up. Not that's not that's a that different. Ex- that's not a, that's to that extreme. I know. I'm, I'm, not to that extreme. I'm kidding. But it's it's essentially if if you ever shoot, if you ever do any if you do any sort of photography or anything, and you shoot in raw in what's in a format called raw, you have the ability to adjust your exposure afterwards, and you can even do this as a filter on in Photoshop and stuff later. If you turn that down, your exposure down, all of a sudden you start to see this like gray film appear over everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Watch that scene. And that gray film is just permeated over everything, and the faces are just impossible to distinguish. It felt like there were a couple of other times when they did the same thing. Um, Some scenes in the woods when they were doing some fighting. Um, Some of the walking scenes that were in the that were in a wooded area that were that were the exposure seemed off, and and I I was frustrated by that as well. One of the other things that frustrated me about 
um, about the filming of this. And I and I remember when uh, I remember when Kevin Sorbo was in town promoting the fact that this film was being filmed. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I remember getting texts because I was on a list of potential uh, extras for the film, and it didn't work out so that I couldn't be there to to participate in the filmmaking. But I remember the period of time, and one of the things that drove me nuts. Was, in, was entirely a result of the time that they were shooting this film. And it was that they went from snow to green grass to snow to green grass to snow to green grass. And that just really bugged me. Right. Um, because I'm looking at that. And now, I'm, now I understand the reason that we had snow and green grass is because they went to a mountainous area, a rocky area. They filmed some of that stuff. And in Utah during that period of time you could have gone less than a mile and been away from a snowy area down to a green grassy area. And they were probably just looking for trees and for a certain kind of topography. But it drove me nuts that they went from this cold, snowy, near Arctic situation. And then in the next scene, we no longer have our breath fogging. We have beautiful uh, green trees and all this kind of... Uh, it, it, it That drove me nuts. And yeah. f- at no point in time do I want to believe or stress the idea that the filmmakers didn't know what they were doing with that i honestly this is why i would love to have someone explain to me this is why we did it that way because i i've shot things i've shot films i've shot i've done these things i realize that you get in these situations like we don't have any other choice we don't have the budget to cgi in snow on the bottom here we've already spent our cgi budget on a troll and a spiky dog yeah that spiky dog which was was really cool (laughs) yeah i wanted it than the troll I wanted it to become yeah. her friend. That might yeah. have been yeah. That yeah, might have, that would have, been have loved it to have been like her. Like he's like all of a sudden realizes that she's got the necromancer powers or whatever, and so they're all of a sudden pals. Everyone else is freaking out, and she's like reaches out her hand and like touches his nose, and then hey, I got a friend, and that, then that then the troll act, can come and kill. Would have been pretty cool. That would have been a that would have been a really fun moment in the film. It, it would have been funny too in the sense that you know, oh hey, we got a friend. Whoa, oh, gone. <laughs> Which the producer would turn around and say, yeah, budget. Ninety six thousand. That yeah. beast alone probably was like ten grand to create. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's it. And and again, this is one of those moments where we say we recognize that this is that that this was the first offering in this particular deal. For me as a for me and as I a have director, one more thing to say on that. Yeah, for me as a as uh, having been a director, um, the thing that I the, that I continue to tell my actors is if we ever have things that pull the actors out or the, pull the viewers out of the story, pull our audience out of the story. Then we made a then then we did something wrong, and that was one of the things that pulled me out of the story. That stopped me paying attention to the story for a minute. What like, was that? The 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 switch between oh um, the snow and the green grass, the snow and the green grass, the snow and the green that, grass. That that really I'm trying to remember exactly how you put it, Todd. That, the snow and the green grass. And and you know what I probably should have said is snow green grass, snow green grass, snow green grass, red red sand, <laughs> snow green grass, snow green. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, and. I accept the fact that the reason that that was the way that it was is because they were working on a $96,000 budget so with 90000 of it going to Kevin Real quick. What was your problem? What? Uh, so what was your problem? Uh, no, I, I'll, I'll skip past it. Uh, let's talk about the budget um, because this is something that may be of interest to our listeners. We're talking about this $96,000 budget. That it, And this is my understanding. I'm happy to be corrected on this. Uh, but that 96000 that's what they started with. That's what they filmed it with. Then the reason we talk about this being a crowdsourced movie is then they they said, all right, we've got this film. Uh, We're ready to edit it. We're ready to put it through the post-production process. We want to add a troll. We want this spiky dog. You guys need to pay for that. 
Uh, and so they went to Kickstarter, Kickstarter or whatever it was and said, all right, help us make a great fantasy movie. And whatever and they basically said, the more you give, the better it'll get. And that's that's how they did their effects. Um, and so the reason I bring that up and say that it may be of some interest to people is because they have just started the process for the third movie. They're doing the same thing here, uh, Kickstarter campaign for the third movie. Uh, so yeah, if you if you like fantasy films, if you've watched Mythica, if you you know even just have an inkling that hey, I'd like to throw twenty bucks at uh, this worthy right. project, go do it. Um, you can find the link on our Facebook page. I actually think I think the first one, and again without someone at Aerostorm to confirm this, I I think it was a ninety six thousand dollar budget flat. That's not ninety six thousand, and then we crowdsourced. They crowdsourced with fifteen hundred backers. $96,000. And I think about the numbers of backers that is yeah. to the amount that they raised. That's significant. That's a lot That's of a money. significant. And that shows a huge investment on the parts of, of people to really believe in this. And I think from here on out, now that they're shooting other ones, because I know they're filming the fourth one, but the third one's on Kickstarter now. That's what they're doing. Like they've, now they're working it out like that. But yeah. I believe the first one was just a $96,000 flat budget to work with. And it seemed like all of the, all of the actors and the extras were, um, were, were, they they may have been compensated, but not not. Well, the actors on a, were certainly on a traditional, not on a traditional model. Oh. Yeah, I don't know about um, that. But but uh, but again, for what it was, um, for for what it started as, for what it was executed with, um, a fun a fun result. Yeah, so maybe that's uh, is that the result that we all come to? I. Enjoyed it. Todd enjoyed it. Ryan, did you have fun with it? Yes, I will say that I had <laughs> yeah. fun with it. Okay, with a giant asterisk, it sounds like. Not a, not a giant asterisk. So I, I would put this on par with, um, if you we talked about it earlier, like if you get on sci-fi, like the sci-fi channel, and they're playing Sharknado yeah. or, you this know. This is better me- than that. Me- yeah. Oh, yeah. I would yeah, put, I'd this- put this better than Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> well, for very for different reasons, I would put it as, as better. But in that genre, that B movie genre piece, there, for what they what they were working with and everything, I really think this is an impressive piece, and it is fun and enjoyable. It wouldn't be my first choice to throw in the DVD player, though. Okay, so, all right, Ken, what about I, you? I'd buy that, but at the same time, I we, and now we keep never throwing work out for Aerostorm, unfortunately. I know. <laughs> Jerk. We I we, we keep throwing out the for what it is, for what or for what it was, for what it was. But really, for what it is, it is a fun movie. And and it you you follow the characters and they're engaging. I mean they're not it's I don't want to get into what it's not, but but for what for what it is, there I'm saying it again, each of the characters as you follow them along, you like them. You you like at least even if you don't get to know them well enough or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even even or maybe you just like that the actors seem like they're having fun. I don't know. That's kind of what I was taking away from is I enjoyed that, especially Adam Johnson who plays Thane. The big he looks like he is having the time of his life. And I'll bet he was. He probably was. And Nicola Posner who plays Tila. I, I got to point this out too. From a punching angle. Uh, there was one point, you know, you get the sword play you get with a movie of this scale, but there was one point toward the end where she's whipping around that staff and dang girl. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Good. Stunt double? No, I don't think no, so. I, I can't remember the part. So let me, let me, let me put this in perspective. If I had a choice, uh, let's say I, I had a, a, uh, a, re- a responsibility to bring a DVD 
to a party. Mm-hmm. And my two choices were Fantastic Four and Mythica. <laughs> I'm bringing Mythica. Well, that's, because that's very unfair. Uh, no, I, I don't. Fantastic Four is one of the top ten worst movies ever made, ever. But the point is that. Still fan- old Battlefield Earth. There you go. Oh, oh. But, but, but here's the deal. That was a huge movie. That's gonna. That was a big budget movie. That's gonna have. That's gonna have a big budget sequel. Yeah, and had some great actors in it with some great opportunities that didn't get executed well. These guys are. These guys are 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 relative unknowns within the within the acting world. But they did a good story, and it was fun. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Fantastic Four because the the two of them suffer from a, a little bit of the same thing which is just too much uh too much origin yeah, mm. there's just too much walking too much there's not enough getting there in the first two-thirds of the movie interesting yeah i well we we've already talked about the storytelling so we yeah won't i'm just saying that since it's, he mentioned fantastic four um, it's something that yeah. goes with having an experienced screenwriter and an experienced editor making sure that your story is cohesive and coherent um it Final thoughts, because uh, we're going to wrap this up here in just a moment. Um, well, first of all, I will say I'm with Ryan. It, this may not be the first thing that I'll pop in the DVD player. Uh, there are other movies that I've felt more emotional connection to or are more impressive or whatever. But uh, I have it on DVD, and it's not going anywhere. I'm not giving this to Goodwill. I'm not selling it. You know, I'm not doing anything with it because I think it's a really good... Uh, introduction movie for my son in a few years. Yeah, uh, okay. you know, okay. it's a good fantasy movie that's uh, that's a, a good bit of fun for him that he doesn't have to be too old to get. He's not going to worry about uh, any discrepancies with grass and and no. snow. No. You know, he's not going to care. It's just going to be a, a a good bit of fun for him. My so my last thought, I I was thinking about what separates a B movie from an a movie is that what we call it uh a hollywood movie a budget a, a big budget film yeah a, a, or at least a budget film is that what you said right <laughs> that's what separates them yeah budget budget well yeah yes um I, I was just trying to think of technical aspects because yeah i felt like the uh the actors the the director the all these people did their work well uh if i were to fix two things if i were to just take two things and say all right magically it's as good as something you'd get out of hollywood it would be sound effects and music and if you can get those to the to the the same level that you would get out of some of these big budget summer movies uh you'd you'd solve a lot of that b-movie feeling right there yeah the the fully the fully work uh and the and the music the sound editing, yeah, but maybe yeah. that's you know just because I'm a sound guy. No, I'll buy that. I no. I'm a I'm a music guy, and the music was the last the last song at the end of the film. I I was saying to myself, "Ooh, this is this has got real promise. I want more." It's funny that you say that because that was one of their Kickstarter stretch goals. When they hit eighty thousand dollars, I think it was, they uh they had to raise an additional ten, and the 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 reward was that they would write a Mythica specific theme. <laughs> That's right. They would play during the end credits. I, uh, I, I liked they it. They did it. I, I liked it. I wanted more, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
wrapping it up, uh, Todd, do you have one more thing you want to say yeah, my, quickly? My last thought on this was this bodes very well for the future of fan films. I think this sets the bar and this, this helps us set the bar for the idea that fan films don't need to be hokey. They don't need to be cheesy. They can be well thought out. They can be well executed. There are things that they need to be aware of and that they maybe need to think about controlling for. But I think this bodes well for fan films in the future. All right. Go with that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I think it bodes well for the disintegration of the centralized media machine in California. You don't have to make an edgy indie no, film Ryan just to make a so. good film. Not in the least. No. I, I I, our consumption of media, because of the ability to take it mobile and everything else, the way that we're consuming it, just opens up a greater need for it. The nice thing is, is that this is going to become a more mainstream version. It's not going to detract it in the least from Hollywood stuff. I agree. But... I think uh, I, I'm not saying it's going to subtract from their market share. What I'm saying is that it's uh, it's taking it's adding to the pie, uh, and more people are going to be able to consume that pie. I would I would probably agree. I would agree with that. There, you're a Marxist. I am a capitalist. I add to the pie. You just want to divide it up, right? There I just want to make sure everybody gets fed. <laughs> there are two pies. One is a pot pie. One is an apple pie. So much for wrapping this up. Huh? Uh, let me let me give you. Here's my final thought on the whole piece because yeah, I know Ken. It still needs to give his. I came in. You guys are saying enough. with quite a few uh, critiques of it because this is something that I am passionate about. I do care quite a bit about filmmaking, about performing, and doing things. Like this, and I jokingly said, "Now Aerostorm will never hire me to work and do anything for them," which you know is possible is aerostorm listening to our podcast what cool. <laughs> no but to, let me put it this way i would be happy to have my name attached to the credits of this film i would too yeah I and would i too, am absolutely. and i would be happy to donate money to help them continue to do more through their kickstarter programs like there this you go because this is this is absolutely a worthy cause and a and a product that is quality enough that people who are working on it should be proud of what they have done agreed you can absolutely yep. do better but if you got it right the first time, you'd ne- there'd be no point in doing anything else after. This is this is the community theater answer in a world of film. Mm, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I, yeah. yeah. I think we mentioned that before we even started recording. We, we talked a little bit about but, that. Yeah, Ryan, I, I, I like that endorsement, Ryan. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Do I want my name on the credits? Yeah. Totally. Good one. Yeah. Yeah, Marxist. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody is fed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind okay uh, thanks for listening you guys Wait, go Ken, out Ken's I'm, last good. Time. I'm good go go to aerostormentertainment.com uh, where you can purchase and download Mythica A Quest for Heroes uh, you can even download the second one now I think it's been released or it's about to uh, and be sure to check out their Kickstarter to uh, help fund the third movie which has been filmed but not yet completed uh, so they'll need your help completing that and keep your eye out for the fourth uh, it is the fourth of a planned five movie series uh, so the fifth one will be coming out and if you are here in the great state of Utah then keep your eyes open for premieres uh, and appearances at Comic Con that sort of thing make sure you visit the Aerostorm Entertainment booth at Comic Con uh, and thank you all for listening thank you very much make sure you visit our website thelegendarianpodcast.com check us out on Facebook uh, where we'll be pointing you towards uh, this and other worthy projects 
So thanks again, everybody. See you next week.